Hi, I'm Kure from Queen Kwong. And I'm Laura Mary from Bloodred Shoes. And we're the hosts of the music podcast, Never Meet Your Idols. Where your idols get real, whether you like it or not. More like whether they like it or not. True. Join us February 23rd for our season two premiere with Mark Lanigan. And subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next Tuesday. Last week's episode was extremely difficult for me to write, not because of the subject matter, but because it had been my first time doing a new episode in two months. It's so hard for me to get back into the groove with anything when I fall out of the rhythm. But it was also because I'm in a much different place, both mentally and emotionally now. I still have all the same regrets. But now I'm living with them, not in them. At least most days. I'm beating myself up far less. I'm accepting the truth instead of fighting against it, as if I could ever win that battle. The first episode after the hiatus, High Fidelity, was recorded four months ago. When I listened to it the day it came out, couldn't believe how okay I sounded, especially compared to the final episodes of last year, when I was spiraling completely out of control. I also cried more than I had in a while when I listened to it, full-on body-shaking crying, going through all of those periods in my life and feeling all of the feelings all over again. But I came out on the other side feeling cleansed. I didn't like some of the things I said though. They just weren't true. At least not how I see them now. After most of the dust has settled. There are a lot of things I said in most of the episodes from last year that are regrettable. Much like things I've said to others throughout my life. But they were where I was at that particular time. The second half of 2020 was a horrendous roller coaster of emotions, and I very nearly fell off at many points. This podcast started right in the middle of that. The episodes were grief in real time, all five stages. Well, four of them. This year is about acceptance. Okay, and maybe some denial is still there. But if I deny him in denial, is that double denial? Anyway, the thing I've come to realize is acceptance isn't about giving up. Nor is it about letting myself off the hook for the things I did and said. It's about forgiving myself for failing. I was doing the best I could, even when I was doing shitty things. I was trying to take care of myself, in the only ways I knew how. 
I was scared and didn't know how to deal with it any other way. If I could have done better at the time, I would have. I understand that now. And that has helped me to start moving forward. And moving forward doesn't mean I'm okay. I'm crying far less than I was, or at least in shorter bursts. I'm still a sad bastard, but I'm less of one than I had been. And not just compared to last year, but compared to many years of my life. I love myself now. After my wife and I broke up, I hated myself more than I ever had. I couldn't forgive myself for things I had done. And then one day, very recently, I started letting that shit go. I had to. There was no way I could have kept going on like that. That doesn't mean the guilt is gone. I just put it on a shelf. A shelf where I can go back and look at it, learn from it, so I could do better next time. Whenever next time is. I know part of that, possibly a large part, is going through the trial and error of medications for my bipolar disorder and finding the right ones for me. Just as part of my mood swings over the past year could be directly attributed to the wrong medications. Plus, it's hard to know if any medication is working when you're in the middle of grieving. No antidepressants are going to help alleviate those feelings. Also, part of what is allowing myself to move forward and forgive myself is a better understanding of the nature of my disease. I know bipolar disorder makes people take a lot of risks, tell lies to cover them up, especially to those they love the most, which is just risks on top of risks. I was walking the blade's edge until it finally cut my life apart. Unfortunately, I only discovered I was bipolar just two months before the end of my marriage. I was only getting started with treatment. Now, nearly a year later, with the right meds and more understanding of myself, I'm able to pull back from risky behavior. Seeing the risks I want to take in the moment and knowing they will be bad for me and deciding not to do them. But regardless of why I did the things I did in the past, I did them. Actions have consequences. It's an important thing to learn, but even more important to remember going forward. When I want to do something I know would be bad for me, I need to consider the consequences. Not just the consequences when it comes to affecting my life, but how my actions will affect others. And actions include saying things. Words matter. The thoughts behind them. The intentions. And whenever I didn't know what to say in moments where I had to say something, I invariably said the wrong thing. 
lies on top of lies on top of lies until I couldn't lie anymore. I couldn't live with it. The main thing that I couldn't get over last year was thinking of my wife in pain because of what I did. And I still think about that. I love her more than anything still to this day. And I hate thinking of her in pain now just as I hated seeing her in pain at any point when we were together. One of the most frequent responses I get from my what's on your mind prompt on Instagram is someone saying they're falling for someone but afraid to get hurt. It's never that they're afraid of hurting the other person. Pain is such a personal thing and the fear of hurting someone you're just starting to get to know is far smaller than it is when you've been in love with them for a long time. At least that's been my experience. And why would you fear hurting them? You're newly in love. You would never do anything to hurt them. But I am definitely afraid of hurting the next person I'll be with. I know myself better now. And it's good being afraid of that. I need to remember the things I did that fucked up the last relationship. And the things I didn't do that fucked it up. Which is even more important. Doing nothing is doing something. It's actively deciding to not do anything to not help the situation that you're in, to not move forward. Throughout my entire relationship with my wife, I was afraid of losing her. And yet I still did things and didn't do things that could have very easily made me lose her. Until I finally did. And I know now that it's largely because I was lost I never knew what my next step was. That's been a constant thread throughout my life, even down to the stuff I used to write. All of the novels I never finished because I couldn't see the end, because I didn't know where I was going. And that made me constantly disappointed with myself, which made me hate myself. I've never really been one for planning. My wife and I fell in love you know, before she was my wife. Then the next step was moving in with her. Then the next step was getting married. And the step after that would have been kids. But I was afraid of that. I saw it as an ending instead of the beginning of something new. And I didn't want to let go of I don't even know what anymore another hallmark of bipolar disorder, starting things and never finishing them. It's impossible for me to know anymore if the things I did, the way I was, were all because of my mental illness. I couldn't see any of those things when I was in the middle of them. You know that saying, you can't see the forest for the trees? For me it was I couldn't see the trees for the forest. Everything was so big that all I saw was a huge mass of the unknown before me. And it constantly scared me. 
instead of moving through it, I was frozen in place. I consciously did nothing. I was stuck inside my discomfort zone. I still am in a lot of ways, but I'm less uncomfortable with myself now. I believe in myself more. I'm trusting myself more. I'm fearing less. One of the painful ironies is I've learned things since the breakup that would have helped us to not break up. If we could start again, I know I could do better. Because I am better. But would I have learned these things had we not broken up? Could I have? I don't really know the answers to these questions. Because they didn't happen when I needed them to. It's a pointless exercise anyway, and one I've worked hard to stop doing. I can't change the past, no matter how much I wish I could. I just have to accept what happened and move forward. And a huge part of that is understanding myself, accepting myself, while also knowing I have to change. I want to change. I want to stop making the same mistakes, and not just when it comes to being with other people. One of the mistakes I need to stop making is the constant need for someone to complete me. I am complete. I have my own back now. I want to work on me, my life, my future. Then down the line, when I meet someone again. I'll be ready to add them to my life, not make my life all about them. Zoe wrote in asking, "How do you stop letting your insecurities affect your relationships?" Zoe, the first relationship you need to stop letting your insecurities affect is your relationship with yourself. They say you can't truly love someone without loving yourself, and that's bullshit. I've done it for most of my life, but I do understand what they're getting at. You can't fully appreciate the love of someone else if you don't feel like you're deserving of it. And odds are you'll try to self-sabotage because you will feel like eventually they will see you as a fraud. So you might as well get that over with. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You become a fraud because you were never a fraud to begin with. You just couldn't believe that. I always had this fear of disappointing the people I loved, which led me to hide things from them that I knew would disappoint them, which led me to being disappointed with myself, which led to even more insecurities. I had expectations of myself on both ends. I expected myself to be the best, and yet always expected myself to fuck up. If you accept that you're a human being who is trying their best, accept that you will fuck up sometimes, and that you will never be perfect. Then you can start allowing yourself to let go. It's just as important to understand that about everyone else. We will disappoint each other, 
and that doesn't mean we intend to. Most times, at least. It's impossible to try your best sometimes. Life is hard. And some days you don't feel like trying at all. Sometimes you need a break. That doesn't make you a failure. Just be honest about it with your partners or friends or family, whoever it is you're fearing you're going to disappoint. And to do that, you have to be honest with yourself. I've taken a lot of breaks lately from being a constant content creator over the past several months, including the two month break I took from making this podcast. And they were some of the best decisions I've ever made. I admitted to myself that I needed time to heal and that it was okay to do that. I absolutely had insecurities about disappointing my followers, disappointing the people who looked to me for advice and reassurance to feel seen and less alone. I'm honored I can be that person. I felt like I was letting them down, but I needed to be selfish. And in doing so, it's allowed me to let go of the constant need for attention from others. That dopamine rush. The need to please others in order to be pleased myself. To feel like I'm worth anything. People pleasing has always been a problem for me. It was always the end of the world if someone was upset with me. And that bred a codependency inside me that would become the bane of my existence. If I were away from someone for too long, if we weren't in constant contact, the spell I had on them would be broken and I'd lose them. I remember when I first started dating my wife. I mean, dating is a misnomer, actually. We dove right into a relationship from the first date. Three months later, she was going on a two-week vacation with her sister out of the country, and I was inconsolable. I cried like a baby. Thinking back on it now, I cringe at the embarrassing display that must have looked like from the outside. I was desperate. What was I without her? She was the woman of my dreams, and if she left me, I would be lost forever. And that insecurity would stick with me for years. And whenever she would take a trip for work or whatever, I would always cry. The separation anxiety was real. The fear was real. Looking back on it now, I know that was something I've had ever since I was little. And it was a thread that stretched through every relationship I've had. Eventually I stopped crying when she'd leave and start being angry. I'd be grumpy with her leaving, as if I wanted to cause her to leave me for good. Because eventually she was going to anyway. That's what my insecurities told me. Insecurities build up over time, often from trauma. Trauma doesn't even have to be anything really big. It's just big to you in the moment it happens. I couldn't see these things when I was living through them. Finding the more I do self-work, the 
more things are falling into place. It's just a matter of me being honest with myself. It's so easy to avoid uncomfortable truths. It's easy to just shrug and say I'm a piece of shit and not examine what's behind that self-image and the insecurities I've carried for many years. Ludmila wrote in, why do things that make me feel alive hurt me so much as well? This makes me think of what I was saying earlier about bipolar disorder. Every risk I took made me feel good in the moment, but I knew it was bad, that it was wrong, and I felt like shit. But I kept doing them anyway, and felt worse and worse fell into deeper and longer lasting depressions and had more frequent panic attacks because I was being torn apart from the inside. It's ironic that something that can cause you to make bad decisions also tortures you over them afterwards. I don't know what your situation is, Ludmilla. I can only share from my experience and hope it helps. I know it's much easier said than done. Try not to do the things that make you feel worse afterwards. Chasing that high to bring you up only causes you to go down, which then causes you to chase the high to bring yourself back up, and on and on the cycle goes. It's addiction. And I don't just mean addiction to substances, though that definitely describes what I've gone through with them. It's an addiction to feeling good, and an addiction to feeling bad in a weird way. I couldn't feel good without doing things that I knew were bad for me. I didn't know how to deal with feeling bad, and in the end, all I felt was bad. This whole experience I've just gone through, the breakup, the loss, the grief, has shown me that. I'm more resilient than I ever believed. Sitting with pain, crying, allowing myself to feel all the things I had always chased away has been hell. But the more I do it, the more self-reliant I become, and the less scary being in pain feels. Patrizia wrote, why the fuck is life so complicated sometimes? I think it's because we make it complicated. The collective we, humans, interacting with other people and the baggage that they all carry with them. And we all have baggage. Every experience we go through tosses another trauma into the bag. Even the good things. Because when they aren't there, we pull them out and are disappointed that we felt that once and can't again, or we don't believe we can. That and no one seems to ever be able to agree about anything. And we're all right. How is that possible? That's why I always give my little disclaimer. These are just my views. I don't claim to be the final authority on anything. Some people will listen to what I say and relate to everything. Where some things click and others they filter out. 
or some don't agree with anything I say. Then there are insults, people being rude for seemingly no reason. But it's never for no reason. Lurking behind every action is an emotion, behind which lurk other feelings. And underneath that are the root causes. We're all hurt from stuff. We're all scarred. And we react from those things, often from a place of fear. I always say if we were all more vulnerable, this world would be a much better place. And also if more of us were in therapy. Lauren wrote in saying a lad who I was dating is shutting me out because he's depressed. That's totally not unusual, Lauren. I withdraw whenever I'm depressed. Things that would normally make me feel good are of no interest to me. Because nothing makes me feel good in those moments. And then I feel even worse that I'm not even trying so my depression worsens. It's a vicious cycle. And it likely has nothing to do with you. It may tangentially. He probably feels bad for not being able to talk to you. And that may be making him spiral a bit. Give him space. If he keeps going on, maybe send a text that you're thinking about him and are there for him if he ever wants to talk. Compassion is key. Rachel wrote in, I want to give up. Rachel, that's all I wanted to do at the end of last year. The pain was so unbearable that I just wanted to stop feeling anything. I relapsed briefly at the end of last year. It pains me to admit it. I'm absolutely ashamed and I've hidden it from pretty much everyone. But in a way it was good. I hit bottom. I had nowhere to go but up. And I decided that's what I was going to do. I quit on New Year's Eve and haven't looked back. I kept thinking of what one of my therapists had once said, that recovery can include relapses. So instead of telling myself that all the years I had spent sober before relapsing were null and void, that I had lost all that time, that my clock had wound back to zero, I forgave myself for my moments of weakness, for being in so much pain and feeling so alone in this world that I turned to my old crutches. Before that, all I kept thinking about was jumping to my death. I would walk over this bridge constantly and look down. Maybe a hundred foot drop or something. I would be dead instantly, I thought. Then all my pain would go away. But so would any chance of happiness in the future. And as long as you keep going, Rachel, you have a chance at wanting to keep going. I know that seems remote right now but you will get through this. Bad times always pass. They feel like they won't when we're stuck in them. And we tell ourselves that things will never get better. Until one day they just do. 
one day you decide to live again. And those days are the best days of all. Life is hard. There are always going to be days when you'll want to give up. But just know that there will be better days mixed in. Also, I can't recommend talking to people enough. I'm not talking just about therapists. What really saved me was reconnecting with my family in a big way last month. I talk to my mother every single day now. And my father most days. He's not much of a talker. Something that used to be true about me, believe it or not. I had been isolating myself, making myself live through my pain all alone in a city where I am all alone. During a pandemic when you're supposed to isolate. It was a trap within a trap within a trap. But then it dawned on me that I didn't have to do that, that I could share with others. Do what I've been doing on this podcast and in the stories on Instagram, but with people who I've known all my life instead of strangers. The worst thing you could do is convince yourself that no one cares, no one understands. If we're vulnerable with each other, if we allow ourselves to cut through all the bullshit, we can realize that our problems are not unique. Everyone experiences similar things in life. I'm not the first person to ever have a marriage fall apart. Hell, I've had two marriages fall apart. I'm not the first person to have substance abuse problems. Sure, these are very personal things. And my experiences have been unique to me. But others can relate, and I can relate to them just as I can relate to your desire to give up. Keep going, Rachel. Your life is worth another chance. And then another. And another. And another. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. And now the usual stuff. Please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Rate, review, share, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors, random people you walk past on the street, anyone. I don't care. <laughs> also follow my Instagram accounts, Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, and the Sad Bastard Pod. I host Q&As on Nick Cave and the Bad Memes and Sad Peaks, where you can tell me what's on your mind, and I might respond to your submission on a future episode of this podcast. I'll be back next week. Until then, don't give up. Taken me down, my friend As they usher me off to my end Well, I bid you adieu
be seeing you soon What they say around here is true Then we'll meet again 